Chapter Three of Over There War Scenes on the Western Front by Arnold Bennett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three Ruins. When you go into Reims by the Epernay Road, the life of the street seems to be proceeding as usual, except that octroi formalities have been abolished. Women, some young and beautiful, stare nonchalantly as the car passes children are playing and shrieking in the sunshine the little cafes and shops keep open door the baker is busy middle-aged persons go their ways in meditation upon existence it is true there are soldiers but there are soldiers in every important french town at all seasons of the year in peacetime in short the spectacle is just that ordinarily presented to the poorer exterior thoroughfares leading towards the centre of a city and yet in two minutes in less than two minutes you may be in a quarter where no life is left this considerable quarter is not seriously damaged it is destroyed not many houses but every house in it will have to be rebuilt from the cellars this quarter is desolation large shops large houses small shops and small houses have all been treated alike the facade may stand the roof may have fallen in entirely or only partially floors may have disappeared altogether or may still be clinging at odd angles to the walls the middle of every building is the same a vast heap of what once was the material of a home or a business and what now is foul rubbish in many instances the shells have revealed the functioning of the home at its most intimate and that is seen which none should see indignation arises out of the heart amid stacks of refuse you may distinguish a bath a magnificent fragment of mirror a piece of tapestry a saucepan in a funeral shop wreaths still hang on their hooks for sale telephone and telegraph wires depend in a loose tangle from the poles the clock of the protestant church has stopped at a quarter to six the shells have been freakish in one building a shell harmlessly made a hole in the courtyard large enough to bury every commander of a german army another shell a two ten millimetre went through an inner wall and opened up the cellars by destroying a hundred and fifty square feet of ground floor ten people were in the cellars and none was hurt uninjured signs of cafes and shops such as the good hope the success of the day meet your gaze with sardonic calm the inhabitants of this quarter and of other quarters in rance have gone some are dead others are picnicking in epernay paris elsewhere they have left everything behind them and yet they have left nothing each knows his lot in the immense tragedy nobody can realize the whole of the tragedy it defies the mind and moreover the horror of it is allayed somewhat by the beautiful forms which ruin even the ruin of modern ugly architecture occasionally takes the effect of the pallor of a bedroom wallpaper against smoke-blackened masonry where some corner of a house sticks up like a tall serrated column out of the confusion remains obstinately in the memory symbolizing somehow the grand german deed 
for do not forget that this quarter accurately represents what the germans came out of germany into france deliberately to do this material devastation this annihilation of effort hope and love this substitution of sorrow for joy is just what plans and guns were laid for what the worshipped leaders of the fatherland prepared with the most wanton and scientific solicitude it is desperately cruel but it is far worse than cruel it is idiotic in its immense futility the perfect idiocy of the thing overwhelmed you and to your reason it is monstrous that one population should overrun another with murder and destruction from political covetousness as that two populations should go to war concerning a religious creed indeed it is more monstrous it is an obscene survival a phenomenon that has strayed through some negligence of fate into the wrong century strange in an adjoining quarter partly but not utterly destroyed a man is coming home in a cab with luggage from the station and the servant girl waits for him at the house door and i heard of a case where a property owner who had begun to build a house just before the war has lately resumed building operations in the esplanade Saris, the fountain is playing amid all the ravage and the german trenches in that direction are not more than two miles away it is quite impossible for any sane man to examine the geography of the region of destruction which i have so summarily described without being convinced that the germans in shelling it were simply aiming at the cathedral tracing the streets affected one can follow distinctly the process of their searching for the precise range of the cathedral practically the whole of the damage is concentrated on the line of the cathedral but the cathedral stands its parvis is grass-grown the hotels on the parvis are heavily battered and if they are not destroyed it is because the cathedral sheltered them the archbishop's palace lies in fragments all around is complete ruin but the cathedral stands high above the level of disaster a unique target and a target successfully defiant the outer roof is quite gone much masonry is smashed some of the calcined statues have exactly the appearance of tortured human flesh but in its essence and in its splendid outlines the building remains apparently unconquerable the towers are particularly serene and impressive the deterioration is of course tremendously severe scores if not hundreds of statues each of which was a masterpiece are spoilt great quantities of carvings are defaced quite half the glass is irremediably broken the whole of the interior non-structural decoration is destroyed but the massiveness of the cathedral has withstood german shrapnel the place will never be the same again or nearly the same nevertheless rance cathedral triumphantly exists the germans use it as a vent for their irritation when things go wrong for them at other parts of the front they shall rance cathedral it has absolutely no military interest but it is beloved by civilized mankind and therefore is a means of offence the french tried to remove some of the glass utilizing an old scaffolding 
at once the german shells came nothing was to be saved that shrapnel could destroy shrapnel is futile against the body of the cathedral as is proved by the fact that three thousand shells have fallen on or near it in a day and a night if the germans use high explosive one might believe that they had some deep religious aim necessitating the non-existence of the cathedral but they do not use high explosive here shrapnel merely and uselessly torments when i first saw the cathedral i was told that there had been calm for several days i know that german agents in neutral countries constantly deny that the cathedral is now shelled when i saw the cathedral again the next morning five shells had just been aimed at it i inspected the hole excavated by a hundred and fifty five millimeter shell at the foot of the eastern extremity close to the walls this hole was certainly not there when i made the circuit of the cathedral on the previous evening it came into existence at six forty a m and i inspected it at eight twenty a m and a newspaper boy offered me that morning's paper on the very edge of it a fragment of shell picked up warm by the architect in charge of the cathedral and given to me is now in my pocket we had a lunchtime party at Reims in a certain hotel this hotel had been closed for a time but the landlady had taken heart again the personnel appeared to consist solely of the landlady and a relative both women were in mourning they served us themselves and the meal was excellent though one could get neither soda water nor cigars shells had greeted the city a few hours earlier but their effect had been only material they are entirely ignored by the steadfast inhabitants who do their primitive business in the desolated paralyzed organism with an indifference which is as resigned as it is stoic these ladies might well have been blown to bits as they crossed the courtyard bearing a dish of cherries or a bottle of wine the sun shone steadily on the rich foliage of the street and dogs and children rollicked mildly beneath the branches several officers were with us including two staff officers these officers not belonging to the same unit had a great deal to tell each other and us so much that the luncheon lasted nearly two hours some of them had been in the retreat in the battles of the marne and of the aisne and in the subsequent trench fighting none had got a scratch of an unsurpassed urbanity and austerity themselves forming part of the finest civilization which this world has yet seen thoroughly appreciative of the subtle and powerful qualities of the race to which they belong they exhibited a chill and restrained surprise at the manners of the invaders one had seen two thousand champagne bottles strewn around a chateau from which the invaders had decamped and the old butler of the house going carefully through the grounds and picking up the bottles which by chance had not been opened the method of opening champagne by the way was a stroke of the sabre on the neck of the bottle the german manner was also to lay the lighted cigar on the finest table linen so that by the burnt holes the proprietors might count their guests another officer had seen a whole countryside of villages littered with orchestrions and absinthe bottles 
groundwork of an interrupted musicale and bacchic fate whose details must be imagined like many other revolting and scabrous details which no compositor would consent to set up in type but which nevertheless are known and form a striking part of the unwritten history of the attack on civilization you may have read hints of these things again and again but no amount of previous preparation will soften for you the shock of getting them first-hand from eye-witnesses whose absolute reliability it would be fatuous to question what these men with their vivid gestures bright eyes and perfect phrasing most delight in is personal heroism and be it remembered that though they do tell a funny story about german scouts who in order to do their work painted themselves the green of trees and then to complete the illusion when they saw a frenchman began to tremble like leaves they give full value to the courage of the invaders but of course it is the courage of frenchmen that inspires their narrations i was ever so faintly surprised by their candid and enthusiastic appreciation of the heroism of the auxiliary services they were lyrical about engine drivers telephone repairers stretcher bearers and so on the story which had the most success concerned a soldier a schoolmaster who in an engagement got left between the opposing lines a quite defenceless mark for german rifles when a bullet hit him he cried vive la france when he was missed he kept silent he was hit again and again and at each wound he cried vive la france he could not be killed at last they turned a machine-gun on him and raked him from head to foot vive la it was a long windy dusty drive to arras the straight worn roads of flinty chalk pass for many miles through country where there was no unmilitary activity save that of the crops pushing themselves up everything was dedicated to the war only at one dirty little industrial town did we see a large crowd of men waiting after lunch to go into a factory these male civilians had a very odd appearance it was as though they had been left out of the war by accident or by some surprising benevolence one thought first there must be some mistake here but there was probably no mistake these men were doubtless in the immense machine after we had traversed a more attractive agricultural town with a town hall whose architecture showed that flanders was not very far off the soil changed and the country grew more sylvan and delectable and the sun shone hotly camps alternated with orchards and cows roamed in the camps and also in the orchards and among the trees could be seen the blue draperies of women at work then the wires of the field telephones and telegraphs on their elegantly slim bamboos were running alongside us and once or twice roughly painted on a bit of bare wood we saw the sign vers l'offrant why any sign should be necessary for such a destination i could not imagine but perhaps humour had entered into the matter at length we perceived arras in the distance and at a few kilometres it looked rather like itself it might have been a living city when however you actually reach arras you cannot be deceived for an instant as to what has happened to the place 
it offers none of the transient illusion of rance the first street you see is a desolation empty and sinister grimy curtains bulge out at smashed windows everywhere the damage of shells is visible the roadway and the pavement are littered with bits of homes grass flourishes among the bits you proceed a little further to a large circular place once imposing every house in it represents the same blighted aspect there is no urban stir but in the brief intervals of the deafening cannonade can be heard one sound blinds and curtains fluttering against empty window frames and perhaps the idle faint banging of a loose shutter not even a cat walks we are alone we and the small group of staff officers who are acting as our hosts we feel like thieves like desecrators impiously prying at the other side of the place a shell has dropped before a house and sliced away all its front on the ground floor is the drawing-room above that is the bedroom with the bed made and the white linen smoothly showing the marvel is that the bed with all the other furniture does not slide down the sloping floor into the street but everything remains moveless and placid the bedroom is like a show it might be the bedroom of some famous man exposed to worshipping tourists at sixpence a head a few chairs have fallen out of the house and they lie topsy-turvy in the street amid the debris no one has thought to touch them in all directions thoroughfares branch forth silent grass-grown and ruined you see the strong fortress i have says the commanding officer with genial sarcasm you notice its high military value it is open at every end you can walk into it as easily as into a windmill and yet they bombard it yesterday they fired twenty projectiles a minute for an hour into the town a performance absolutely useless simple destruction but they are like that so we went forward further into the city and saw sights still stranger of one house nothing but the roof was left the roof made a triumphal arch everywhere potted plants boxed against walls or suspended from window frames were freshly blooming all the streets were covered with powdered glass in many streets telegraph and telephone wires hung in thick festoons like abandoned webs of spiders or curled themselves around the feet continually one had to be extricating oneself from them continually came the hollow sound of things falling and slipping within the smashed interiors behind the facades and then came the sound of a baby crying for this city is not after all uninhabited we saw a woman coming out of her house and carefully locking the door behind her was she locking it against shells or against burglars observe those pipes rising through gratings in the pavement and blue smoke issuing therefrom those pipes are the outward sign that such inhabitants as remain have transformed their cellars into drawing-rooms and bedrooms we descended into one such home the real drawing-room on the ground floor had been invaded by a shell in that apartment richly carved furniture was mixed up with pieces of wall and pieces of curtain under a thick layer of white dust 
but this underground home with its arched roof and aspect of extreme solidity was tidy and very snugly complete in all its arrangements and the dark entrance to it well protected against the hazards of bombardment nevertheless said the master of the home a two hundred and ten millimeter shell would penetrate everything it would be the end he threw up his hands with a nonchalant gesture he was a fatalist worthy of his city which is now being besieged and ruined not for the first time the vandals i mean the original vandals laid waste arras again and again then the franks took it then in the ninth century the normans ravaged it and then charles the simple and then lothar and then hugh capet in the fifteenth century charles the sixth besieged it for seven weeks and did not take it under louis the eleventh it was atrociously outraged it revolted and was retaken by assault its walls raised its citizens expatriated and its name changed useless the name returned and the citizens at the end of the fifteenth century it fell under spanish rule and had no kind of peace whatever until after another siege by a large french army it was regained by france in sixteen forty fourteen years later the house of austria had yet another try for it and the archduke leopold laid siege to the city he lost seven thousand men sixty-four guns three thousand horses and all his transport and fled last august was the first august in two hundred and sixty years which has not witnessed a municipal fete in celebration of this affair since then arras has had a tolerably quiet time except during the revolution it suffered nothing in eighteen seventy it now suffers and apparently those inhabitants who have stood fast have not forgotten how to suffer history must be in their veins in the street where we first noticed the stovepipes sprouting from the pavement we saw a postman in the regulation costume of the french postman with the regulation black shiny wallet-box hanging over his stomach and the regulation pen behind his ear smartly delivering letters from house to house he did not knock at the doors he just stuck the letters through the empty window-frame he was a truly remarkable sight then we arrived by a curved street at the cathedral of st vast st vast who preached christianity after it had been forgotten in arras is all over the district in the nomenclature of places nobody among the dilettanti has a good word to say for the cathedral which was built in the latter half of the eighteenth and the first half of the nineteenth centuries and which exhibits a kind of simple baroque style with corinthian pillars in two stories but arras cathedral is the most majestic and striking ruin at the front it is superlatively well placed on an eminence by itself and its dimensions are tremendous it towers over the city far more imposingly than char cathedral towers over Chartres. the pale simplicity of its enormous lines and surfaces renders it better suited for the martyrdom of bombardment than any gothic building could possibly be the wounds are clearly visible on its flat facades uncomplicated by much carving and statuary they are terrible wounds yet they do not appreciably impair the ensemble of the fane 
photographs and pictures of Arras cathedral ought to be cherished by german commanders for they have accomplished nothing more austerely picturesque more religiously impressive more idiotically sacrilegious more exquisitely futile than their achievement there and they are adding to it weekly as a spectacle the cathedral of rance cannot compare with the cathedral of arras in the north transept a three hundred and twenty five millimeter shell has knocked a clean hole through which a mastodon might wriggle just opposite this transept amid universal wreckage a cafe is miraculously preserved its glass mugs counters chairs and ornaments are all there covered with white dust exactly as they were left one night you can put your hand through a window aperture and pick up a glass close by the lovely rafter work of an old house is exposed and within a beam has fallen from the roof to the ground this beam is burning the flames are industriously eating away at it like a tiger gnawing in tranquil content at its prey which it has dragged to a place of concealment there are other fires in arras and have been for some days but what are you to do a step further on is a greengrocer's shop open and doing business we gradually circled around the cathedral until we arrived at the town hall built in the sixteenth century very carefully restored in the nineteenth and knocked to pieces in the twentieth we approached it from the back and could not immediately perceive what had happened to it for later erections have clustered around it and some of these still existed in their main outlines in a great courtyard stood an automobile which certainly had not moved for months it was a wreck overgrown with rust and postules this automobile well symbolized the desolation open and concealed by which it was surrounded a touchingly forlorn thing dead and deaf to the never-ceasing ever reverberating chorus of the guns to the right of the town hall looking at it from the rear we saw a curving double row of mounds of brick stone and refuse understand these had no resemblance to houses they had no resemblance to anything whatever except mounds of brick stone and refuse the sight of them acutely tickled my curiosity what is this it is the principal street in arras the mind could picture it at once one of those narrow winding streets which in ancient cities perpetuate the most ancient habits of the citizens maintaining their commercial preeminence in the face of all town planning a street leading to the town hall a dark street full of jeweller's shops and ornamented women and correctness and the triumph of correctness a street of the best shops of high rents of famous names of picturesque signs a street where the wheels of traffic were continually interlocking but a street which would not under any consideration have widened itself by a single foot because its narrowness was part of its prestige well german gunnery has brought that street to an end past all resuscitation it may be rebuilt it will never be the same street what's the name of the street i asked none of the officers of the party could recall the name of the principal business street in arras and there was no citizen within hail 
the very name had gone like the forms of the houses i have since searched for it in guides encyclopedias and plans but it has escaped me withdrawn and lost for me in the depths of history the street had suffered not at all on its own account but because it happened to be in the line of fire of the town hall it merely received some portion of the blessings which were intended for the town hall but which overshot their mark the town hall like the cathedrals here and at reims had no military interest or value but it was the finest thing in arras the most loved thing an irreplaceable thing and therefore the germans made a set at it as they made a set at the cathedrals it is just as if having got an aim on a soldier's baby they had started to pick off its hands and feet saying to the soldier yield or we will finish your baby either the military ratiocination is thus or the deed is simple lunacy when we had walked round to the front of the town hall we were able to judge to what extent the beautiful building had monopolized the interest of the germans the town hall stands at the head of a magnificent and enormous arcaded square uniform in architecture and no doubt dating from the spanish occupation seeing this square and its scarcely smaller sister a little further on you realize that indeed you are in a noble city the square had hardly been touched by the bombardment there had been no shells to waste on the square while the more precious town hall had one stone left upon another from the lower end of the square sheltered from the rain by the arcade i made a rough sketch of what remains of the town hall comparing this sketch with an engraved view taken from exactly the same spot one can see graphically what had occurred a few arches of the ground floor colonnade had survived in outline of the upper part of the facade nothing was left save a fragment of wall showing two window holes the rest of the facade and the whole of the roof was abolished the later building attached to the left of the facade had completely disappeared the carved masonry of the earlier building to the right of the facade had survived in a state of severe mutilation the belfry which rising immediately behind the town hall was once the highest belfry in france nearly two hundred and fifty feet had vanished the stump of it jagged like the stump of a broken tooth obstinately persisted sticking itself up to a level a few feet higher than the former level of the crest of the roof the vast ruin was heaped about with refuse arras is not in germany it is in france i mention this fact because it is notorious that germany is engaged in a defensive war and in a war for the upholding of the highest civilization the germans came all the way across belgium and thus far into france in order to defend themselves against attack they defaced and destroyed all the beauties of arras and transformed it into a scene of desolation unsurpassed in france so that the highest civilization might remain secure and their own hearths intact one wonders what the germans would have done had they been fighting not a war of defence and civilization but a war of conquest and barbarism the conjecture may perhaps legitimately occupy the brains of citizens 
in any case the french government would do well to invite to such places as arras soissons and Saint-Denis groups of mayors of the cities of all countries so that these august magistrates may behold for themselves and realize in their souls what defensive war and the highest civilization actually do mean when they come to the point personally i am against a policy of reprisals and yet i do not see how germany can truly appreciate what she has done unless an object lesson is created for her out of one of her own cities and she emphatically ought to appreciate what she has done one city would suffice if at the end of the war cologne were left as arras was when i visited it a definite process of education would have been accomplished in the teutonic mind the event would be hard on cologne but not harder than the other event has been on arras moreover it is held i believe that the misfortunes of war bring out all that is finest in the character of a nation and that therefore war with its sweet accompaniments is a good and necessary thing i am against a policy of reprisals and yet such is human nature having seen arras i would honestly give a year's income to see cologne in the same condition and to the end of my life i shall feel cheated if cologne or some similar german town is not in fact ultimately reduced to the same condition this state of mind comes of seeing things with your own eyes proceeding we walked through a mile or two of streets in which not one house was inhabited nor undamaged some of these streets had been swept so that at the first glance they seemed to be streets where all the citizens were indoors reflecting behind drawn blinds and closing shutters upon some incredible happening but there was nobody indoors there was nobody in the whole quarter only ourselves and we were very unhappy and unquiet in the solitude almost every window was broken every wall was chipped chunks had been knocked out of walls and at intervals there was no wall one house showed the different paperings of six rooms all completely exposed to the gaze the proprietor evidently had a passion for anthracite stoves in each of the six fireplaces was an anthracite stove and none had fallen the post office was shattered then the railway station of arras a comparatively new railway station built by the compagnie du nord in eighteen ninety eight a rather impressive railway station the great paved place in front of it was pitted with shell holes of various sizes a shell had just grazed the elaborate facade shaving ornaments and mouldings off it every pane of glass in it was smashed all the ironwork had a rich brown rust the indications for passengers were plainly visible here you must take your ticket here you must register your baggage here you must wait we could look through the station as through the ribs of a skeleton the stillness of it under the rain and under the echoes of the tireless artillery was horrible it was the most unnatural ghostly ghastly railway station one could imagine as within the station so on the platforms 
all the glass of the shelters for passengers was broken to little bits the ironwork thickly encrusted the signals were unutterably forlorn in their ruin and on the lines themselves rampant vegetation had grown four feet high a conquering jungle the defence of german soil is a mighty and a far-reaching affair this was on july seventh nineteen fifteen End of chapter 3